0: Hello and welcome to our podcast. My name is Clare Moffat and I'm the Head of Intermediary Development and Technical at Royal London. Today I'm delighted to be joined by three guests. Paul McCabe who's a Chartered Financial Planner and owner of Astute Financial based in Edinburgh, Rob Harvey who heads up Individual and Business Protection at Drewberry Insurance and Tim Fassam who's the Director of Government Relations and Policy at Pimfa. This week, Royal London released some new customer research that further explores the value of financial advice. Our findings reveal that professional advice delivers more than just practical financial benefits. Indeed, we found it also helps to improve the emotional well-being of customers by helping them to feel better about themselves and their finances. In this session, we're going to dig into the key findings from our research and how, in these times of extreme volatility, uncertainty and social distancing, financial advisors have been finding ways to give their clients the extra emotional support they need. As COVID-19 continues to disrupt our ways of working, we'd also like to discuss what lasting effects lockdown might have in our industry and how the advisor-provider relationship may need to adapt and evolve in future. If you'd like to read our full research report, you can download a copy from our website at advisor.royallondon.com forward slash advice changes the game. But now on to the questions. So the first question for all of you, what were the key findings from our customer research that resonated with you the most? First of all, Tim.
1: I think um, in some ways the, the, the most interesting is how inextricably linked Financial and emotional well-being are, and I think, in some ways, that's not surprising. Um, but it's an incredibly important finding, and it's often one that, particularly in my world, where policymakers or government are thinking about how um, people behave and how people interact, that they they often forget, because actually, um, that feeling of of reassurance is incredibly important to people. And and actually, if you do the research there's some really quite surprising findings so for example a lot of your um, the research talked about uh, peace of mind and not knowing where to start and and um, feeling you know uncertain about their future now one of the interesting things if you look at kind of psychological research and there's a very interesting book called scarcity is that kind of stress actually makes you less able to cope with other tasks and other processes so if you have um, those basic levels of stress, it makes it harder for you to achieve the other things that you want to do in your life. So these are very real, tangible benefits that will make a meaningful difference to people's lives.
0: Thanks, Tim. Rob?
1: Yes, I suppose I'd echo really what, what Tim said
2: in that um, I think it can be very easy um, for advisors to sometimes, particularly in in the industry that I'm working, protection insurance it can be very very easy i think to sort of treat protection insurance as a commodity and and the process we're taking that client through is is little more than a sales process and so i think um, there's a risk that advisors perhaps lose sight of the really important work they're doing in in obviously uh, uh, helping consumers um build that um that that emotional mental well-being and so absolutely i think it was it was really powerful to to read in your research actually dealing with an advisor can have a really positive impact um and that actually you know, it, it's more than simply facilitating the sale um, of a protection insurance product it's actually it's giving clients that peace of mind it's 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 helping with their emotional and, and mental well-being and of course um the the, the work that we're doing um it, it is having some uh, real impact um in improving outcomes um, for
3: consumers
0: thanks Rob and paul yeah, I mean, first, first and
3: foremost, and certainly reading the report as an advisor, my main word for summarising it would be reassuring, to say the least. That I think the, the advisory community as a whole can take a great deal of comfort and, and confidence from from this research. I mean, the, the results to me are conclusive. You know, taking advice certainly delivers an enormous amount of value.
0: Thanks very much, Paul. So, following on from that, um, you were speaking about the, this great value um, and this great value of the emotional benefit sort of financial advice. But, Paul and Rob, specifically for for both of you, do you ever take the time to discuss the role that you can play in helping to support this mental well being of your clients, or talk about that part of it when you're thinking uh, when you're speaking to new clients? First of all, Paul.
3: Yeah, I mean, it depends what what particular clients are needing, uh, Claire, but when when I'm speaking to clients about our ongoing service, and I must add particularly the charge of that, I'm often referencing the fact that I am there to be a form of counsel, perhaps a soundboard to bounce ideas off, and and perhaps more importantly, a safety net to, to avoid clients making bad decisions. You know, we can be to use a modern day term, and we we can really be seen as as a form of PTs, you know, personal trainers, and in, in a financial sense, and making sure that our clients stick to the to the overall game plan, and 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 to use that term, you know, spotting them when they need it.
2: And Rob, yes, it's an interesting uh, an interesting point, and um, you know, I think in terms of of us and our business, um. That, that kind of placing the, the emphasis on supporting the, the, the clients and their mental well-being, I suppose, is something that we really place at the heart of what we do. And I think, first of all, it's particularly for us, it's really important in a competitive market, um, particularly one where a lot of consumers will increasingly turn to things like price comparison websites where they don't have any human interaction when it comes to actually procuring insurance and obviously that tends to be more common in the general insurance marketplace i think it's really important that we can demonstrate to our clients the the real value that we can add over say a non-advised or an automated service and how ultimately by speaking to us they'll end up um, better off
0: that's great thanks rob and tim we know that mental well-being is closely linked to financial well-being. So what can we be doing as an industry to further promote the value financial advice can deliver for clients in these areas?
1: Yeah, so I think I think there's a few areas there. I think it's a really good question. Um, and given my day job, I, I tend to uh, naturally go towards, you know, what can we do to help government and policymakers understand that? And I think there's, there's two kind of interesting questions uh, kind of addendums to this about how we create the right regulation, the right policy. The first is, um, if you look at lots of the challenges about why people make bad financial decisions, um, there's been a lot of coverage of what people tend to call behavioral economics or nudges, but using behavioral psychology to look at why people find it difficult to make good good long-term decisions. And none of these are factual, logical, numerical arguments. They are emotional arguments. They are about uh, whether you can empathize with your future self. They're whether you over-discount um, what uh, what value you'll place on things in the future. And the way you overcome these uh, heuristics, as they're called, is through an emotional conversation. It's not through a logical conversation. People don't make Decisions, by and large, on hold hard logic, they do so on an emotional basis. So if you have a policy environment, a regulatory environment where you want people to make good decisions, then you are going to have to emotionally engage with them. And historically, um, some of the, the uh, actions around advice and, and um, limitations of advice and regulation makes it harder for firms to have an emotional and meaningful conversation and when you look at things like say pension saving or other areas this becomes really clear because people tend to talk about pensions as being complex and often they're not really that complex they're they're, you know tax um, deferred saving vehicle. What's complex is people's lives. Should you give some money to your children? Should you go on a holiday versus keep saving? Again, these are emotional questions. You have to engage with the the human, and you have to understand their their psychological and emotional well being. A lot of the research that's been done on on money and mental health is focused on debt, but actually, at a time when we've just had a a, um, a, a virus pandemic people's savings, people's protection is increasingly important part of of their mental health and whether they feel prepared for any crisis. Those with significant savings I'm imagining have felt much more confident um, through this uh, period. And then the the final point I make for for kind of policymakers is um, perhaps slightly counterintuitively, this all becomes more important as technology develops um, there's a really interesting expert on AI called Kai-Fu Lee focuses mainly on Chinese he's a Chinese AI investor and he talks about understanding the future of work as what is what are machines good at and what are they bad at and one of the things they're really bad at is emotional intelligence and empathy and again as we use more algorithms as we use more technology in the advice process in the financial services process. The bit that those machines will not be able to do is the emotional element, the engaging with the human, the providing that additional support. So I think policymakers ignore this benefit of, of advice at their peril because increasingly, I think it will play an absolutely critical role in getting the right outcomes for for customers.
0: Thanks, Tim. So moving on, Um, Paul and Rob, so in the current climate, we know that clients are feeling a lot more anxious um, about their future. And many of advisors have seen an increase in demand for client contact. And our research shows that the three most commonly recognised emotional benefits of financial advice are feelings of control, confidence and peace of mind. How do you help to deliver these benefits to your clients and how have you had to change or adapt that because of the crisis that, that we're currently in so first of all to rob
2: yeah so uh, uh, a good question and um i think just tackling the, the second part there how do we um change or adapt uh our approach in light of this crisis i mean f- for us as a business we're quite fortunate in that we are uh, effectively primarily telephone based advisors and so uh, in that sense the, the current um, crisis we find ourselves in hasn't really disrupted the way in which we engage and interact with our clients but it has meant that I think we need to be conscious of um, kind of ramping up the the extent to which we engage with the, the extent to which we communicate with our clients at this obviously quite challenging time and I think in terms of control this this is a really important point for us and one that that i you know recognizes as, as being particularly important given the way that that we operate as a business. Um, you know, we're not having face-to-face conversations with our clients. And so I'm always very conscious of the fact that there can be a risk that clients feel as though they aren't perhaps as closely involved in the process. Um, you can feel a little bit distant from your client over the telephone. Um, so we, we, we work very hard to involve them in the processes from the very start and ensure that you know for example our fact find process is very much a two-way conversation with the client involved by doing that obviously we're looking to build that long-term relationship with the client seek to better understand them as a person their motivations what their goals in life are which then enables us obviously to provide better advice um and we can demonstrate to the client you know this this isn't a sort of quick sales process where we're gonna um at the end of it we're gonna sell them a a product and then that will be it that'll be the end of our, our relationship with them i think another really important thing here as well is education um you know, protection insurance is is still something that a lot of people don't understand um, and so i think for us uh, a really important thing is is educating our clients um, and that therefore enables them to, to, to feel more in control of things so um, we put a lot of work into our consumer-facing content we've got lots of education guides and things on our website and we do a lot of work Within the broader industry as well, in terms of raising awareness, educating consumers on protection, insurance, how the products work um, and this sort of stuff. So we do a lot of work as well on promoting some of our our, our really high positive reviews. So, again, clients can feel confident that, that they're dealing with somebody who is an expert.
0: Thanks very much. And Paul.
3: Yeah, I mean, we we know that the saying all too well that a, a picture paints a thousand words, and and that is is one of the reasons I speak to my clients so so passionately about cash flow modeling software. So, it's a it's an integral part of our offering, and uh, to be able now to have the ability to to physically show clients both their short term and their long term finances. Um, and this, this um, allows us really to get to the part that clients are truly interested in. You know, we, I think, historically in the industry have bamboozled clients with, you know, uh, focusing them on plan charges and performance against benchmark and, and all the other things that we speak as an industry. And that's not underestimating the importance of those things. But what financial planning for me is all about is getting back to clients' aims, objectives and life goals. Tim said it perfectly earlier on. I mean, a pension is is overcomplicated by by many of us in the industry and consumers alike. And, and and Tim's right. You know, it's a pot of money. But our job should always be saying, you know, what is it you're wanting to achieve with that? What are the what are the gaps? What are your goals? And and how do we uh, meet your your long-term aims and objectives? And I think. In my mind, you know, cash flow modeling is, is the exact tool to really show clients where they are. I mean, a, a particular example earlier in the year was a, a new client that came to us via Unbiased and the, the, the referral looked something on the shape of very, very concerned about COVID. My pension fund is down quite significantly and I did want to retire in the next couple of years. Took the inquiry on, spoke with this client, built the whole consultation around cash flow modeling. To cut a long story short, you know the, the conclusion of that exercise was the the client sent me a lovely note saying you know he'd been losing an awful lot of sleep and you talk about uh, you know the, the the pleasurable parts of this job. I was able to to reassure the client that if he really really wanted to, he could retire tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Paul, and I think that is a crucial point that's been picked up that, um, you know. It is giving people that confidence that, as you mentioned, that person who wasn't sleeping. So it is having a real impact on their life and actually having that discussion and going through the process of getting advice has improved what they think their finances are, but also, you know, allowed them to sleep. So it's it's a real benefit. Um, Rob, I wanted to ask you a question in particular. Thinking about the fact that we know that many clients, um, in light of what's happened this year, have come to appreciate um how important it is to have a plan in place to prepare for life shocks. And what sort of opportunities do you think this presents for advisors?
2: Yeah, good question. Um I suppose without being crude about it, um this presents a massive opportunity for our industry. Um this is obviously we're going through something that's completely unprecedented. Um and that's going to have a huge impact on a, a huge number of people. And you know, I imagine that when eventually, hopefully at some point, uh, things return to normal, there won't be many people who won't have been touched by this in, in some way. And so I think for our industry, particularly the protection insurance industry, and I think it's performed really well over the last few months. And whilst there's areas that we can improve upon, you know, I think we've, we've done a huge amount of really good work for for a huge number of people, both in terms of... Uh, continuing to protect people at this really difficult time, but also in paying out you know, huge amounts in claims. Um, there's been a huge amount paid out, in, in unfortunately, in, in life insurance claims and income protection claims. So I think it's really important. It's something that we should be shouting about. I think it's just really important that that, that as an industry, we take this opportunity to, to really hammer that message home that, that protection insurance is, is so important um, and that unfortunately not enough people are protected. And whilst in this unprecedented times, that the government has been there to, to step in and protect a lot of people, yeah, you know, it's, it's not to be it's not the case that um, that 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 support is there for lots of people at any other time. Um, and um, you know, there's a risk I think that that it won't be there in future for people.
0: Thanks, Rob. Tim I want to pick up a little bit more on this raised public interest in protection products Mm. so we've had many clients who've been feeling this urgent need to have some sort of safety net in place but there is a risk that they're going to buy a product that's not quite right for them or perhaps it doesn't offer what what they think it does so what can we be doing as an industry to help drive better standards of financial education with clients?
1: I think this is an absolutely critical point Claire and um it's something I've worked on for for many, many years, and I was very proud to play a, a role in the campaign to have financial education added to the, the secondary school curriculum. What the consumer really needs to know is when to ask for help and how to ask for help. And I think that's a really critical thing for the industry to be working with government, with uh, people like the Money and Pension Service, to make sure that people understand what they can do on their own, what um, is appropriate for them to think about and get on top of, whether that's budgeting skills, whether that's um, some cash savings to protect them in in a uh, difficult scenario. But where they have something complex, retirement, a mortgage, something like, as you say, protection insurance, it's okay and appropriate to ask for help, and that we make that as simple and straightforward as we possibly can so I think one of the challenges is that actually education can only go so far and what we need is a real clarity of message and one of the things if you go back a few years to the financial advice market review they did some work on rules of thumb simple messages that you could deliver to people and actually they didn't feel that you could even say if you have some children you should have some life insurance without getting um, potentially stepping over the line to giving full regulated advice and if we can't even deliver simple straightforward messages to people about what scenarios they may want to think about may want to engage in we are going to have a real uphill struggle so i think again the industry needs to align behind Efforts to ensure we can communicate clearly with, um, with, with individuals um, what they should be doing, what are the no-brainers, what are the areas that they won't regret and then how can they get help rather than expecting them to have all the answers themselves. I mean that's why advisors go through so much time and effort to get the training to develop their expertise We can't expect individuals to to do that. We just need to make sure they know, you know what, in this circumstance, this is who I call. This is where I can look. This is how I get the right answer. Because you're right. A lot of these people will have potentially taken out products for the first time. And if they get the wrong product, that unfortunately is going to shape their their views of the, the industry and of protection more generally going forward.
0: That's great. Thanks very much, Tim. Paul, we've seen some extremely volatile market conditions right now and um, as a result of that some pension clients will have seen a drop in the value of their pension savings and other investments what sort of demand have you seen from your clients and have you been helping to give them extra emotional support
3: yeah i mean going going back to to earlier this year a a day we kind of all remember and and kind of officially to lockdown and and maybe in the lead up to that, Claire, we, we, we really made it our top priority to proactively contact clients. For a few of our clients, Claire, we did just make an agreement to, to set up an ad hoc review and, and just get together, whether it be on Teams or whatever it took, to to really, you know, input uh, the, the current situation, the revised values and, and I'm I'm really delighted to say that on every occasion that we did this type of exercise, we again, you know, referencing the point from earlier, it was restored lost confidence. And uh, the fact we were able to kind of demonstrate that clients were still on plan, and and that we shouldn't be making any knee-jerk decisions, reactions, such as you know, changing the, the current approach to investment, for example, was was really I felt. And we got that feedback. You know, we were we were uh, we were getting the feedback the clients were were again reassured and, and happy and, and uh willing to, to continue with, with a great deal more peace of mind. You now, yes, there's going to be volatility, but if we've truly understood a client's attitude to risk, capacity for investment loss, and of course the term that they want to invest over, then I would hope and expect that a suitable portfolio recommendation is being made to complement these points. So yes, when volatility does come along or, or severe downturns like uh, what we're experiencing just now or, or back to 2008, yes, it is uncomfortable, but it shouldn't change in theory the original advice that was given to that client as well.
0: And just um, a final question, thinking about some of the areas we've picked up on today. So question for all of you. Um, how do you see our day-to-day industry relationships evolving once we come through the other side of this crisis? Um, Paul? I think I think
3: at any time there's, there's always an opportunity to be more efficient. And, uh, and I do also think that the, the, the work-life balance is, uh, you know, I've been talking about this for for a long time now whether it be friends family and, and i really do think that that particular issue has perhaps been out of sync for quite a while now and and this could certainly allow us for a form of, of reset if we use that term and and certainly find new ways of working and perhaps a combination of, of both office and home working might be the new norm going forward as well but in all honesty, anything that can can improve our, our all of our mental well being well being can can only really be welcomed and embraced.
2: Rob, undoubtedly, it's going to push um, the need for advisors, insurance, everybody in the industry to to think about utilising technology better uh, to both engage with our consumer base, but also, I think, to, to work together collaboratively as well using technology. Um, yeah, I think there's a real opportunity there. Um, so I think, ultimately, I look at this as as really presenting an opportunity for some real positive change in our industry.
0: And Tim?
1: No, I'd agree with everything, um, everything Paul and Rob have said. And uh, I, I think, you know, you are always try to find the opportunity within a crisis. And this has been an incredibly difficult and challenging time for many um, and a tragic time for many. But it does provide the opportunity to look afresh at how we work, how we reach out to customers, where the real value is. And uh, I think, you know, it's even mentioned in your report that actually it's in difficult times the advice that financial services are of most value. And I think this has been a time where you know large parts of the industry have been able to show the real value that they um, present to clients and have you know there are many clients that are going to be incredibly glad they took their advisors advice um as they're they're dealing with this this crisis and i think one of the things that i think the industry should be looking at as a whole is is how can we go out there and Uh, campaign for and encourage a more resilient society, a society that is better prepared for for crises, that is better protected um, and that has thought about the future more and uh, that has to be to everyone's benefit.
0: I'd just like to thank my guests for their time today and once again if you're interested in reading more about our research please visit our website at com forward slash advice changes the game.